Welcome into the best of seven succession power rankings after episode two of the third season. It has just ended. We're going to look at who had the biggest impact in this episode, whose status in the food chain is either moving up or down, and as always, who is the most likely to succeed. To do that, I'll be joined with Stephen Douglas, also of The Big Lead, and I think starting out this episode was really marked by a lot of tense interfamily dialogue as they almost always are but this was all conversations and it was on moving ground the entire time like I wasn't sure what was going to play out that's the great part about this series is that things can turn out lots of different ways and usually there's some flip-flop of who is going to be in the driver's seat at the end of the episode what were your initial thoughts about this one which wasn't quite as funny as the premiere but also was far more intense. Yeah, I think what uh, Succession has going for its entire run is a uh, bit of a uh, reverse entourage where everything's going to work out. And for Succession, you start the episodes like every, all these characters look like they're in one position. And it's like about halfway through, you see the worms start to turn. And by the end, it's like, Oh, well, those people that were smiling and happy 45 minutes ago are just miserable and about to die. But yeah, it was it was a uh, intense episode. Um, all the, uh, the family dynamics always at play in succession. It, it was it was good again. I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I thought that they got a lot of the big one liners uh, out in a dump. In the first 15 minutes of this episode, and then they kind of drove right into the plot. Let's not waste any more time. Let's go to number seven. This person is down from number four last week, and it's Roman. Roman, our guy. A lot of inner turmoil there. He is not quite sure what page he's on with Jerry. Jerry, at the beginning, we saw, was pretty disinterested in the whole thing, was suggesting that his apprenticeship begins today seemed extremely demeaning not a great sign for the guy but at the end he did kind of maintain his loyalty to his father but also jerry which we saw in this in the last few minutes of this episode is like tying your dick to a runaway train it seems yeah for roman he's he's the youngest so he's always just looking for any place and you know when they're not stuffing him in a dog crate to uh, eat dog food, then, you know, he, he has his issues. Um, he, you talk about all the one-liners. He was the one that uh, kind of kept with the one-liners throughout the episode, as he usually does. He may, he went back to being the funniest character. If we were doing those rankings, he would be number one pretty much every week. But yeah, Roman is in a he's in a bad spot right now. He, and he looks at he looks miserable even uh when he's in the meeting with uh with Kendall and his uh siblings. His hair was just, you know, kind of a little crazy, a little bird-like like the uh almost like the I believe in aliens guy. Yeah, it hits a little close to home, I got to be honest from certain angles <laughs> when I'm watching the show, so that's a tough one for me. But yeah, I thought that he was pretty into Kendall's sales pitch 
and felt guilty about it. I think that everybody in that room was initially in, and we'll get to all of it going through, but it seemed like those donuts, the 11th hour surprise, the mind (laughs) games, uh, that's just a savvy veteran right there. But I think that he was always going to be the last to jump of that crew. Uh, Shiv was probably the most eager con who cares. You can never tell which way the wind blows with him, whatever is best for his political aspirations, a politician through and through, but you really see the loyalty between Roman and it seems like it's always so ill-fated or misguided toward toward his father. And I got to be honest, the guy does not engender a lot of sympathy and he never does, but I was feeling a bit sorry for him at the end of this episode because it's like, he does have a lot to offer. And I do think that he would be tremendous at a high level of either company, whether that be with Kendall or, or be, or if it's with his father, but ultimately he's kind of seen as, as the court jester and he kind of, and part of that is he cuts himself off at the knees and doesn't allow himself to be serious. So as we see him try to like navigate this new serious side of the world, especially with the family fracturing, he's just not particularly well equipped for it. Yeah, he, he has a lot of issues. Um, as I mentioned, the dog crate, but, you know, sexually and just personally and overcompensating with humor. And he's he's very fun for us. Uh, it must be hell to be him if he were a real person. So a down week for Roman. Number six, this one, this this one's going to get a little bit larger. We're going to incorporate two things into one like a Reese's Pieces or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or an Oreo cookie, water, a lot of stuff. We could sit here and list <laughs> things that are two things, but also one thing until the cows come home. That's for a different podcast. Give us our number six. Uh, we're going to go with Team Greg here. Uh, there's a lot going on with Greg. Um, basically, the easiest way to, to uh, point out is all the lawyers that he is trying to deal with. Um each side, Team Logan and Team Kendall, have want him to be with a lawyer. Uh, he's got this friend who's like in her first semester of law school or something. So he's like, well, that's where I will, I will seek and find legal counsel. And then on top of that, he's got, uh, yeah, the Waystar lawyer just showing up and like putting his foot in the door. And then his grandfather is like, yeah, I will help you find a lawyer. And there it... It seems like Greg's grandfather is going to screw him. Um, I don't know. You just, I just get that vibe. And Greg has, because he has no idea what's going on. And Greg's grandfather, uh, Ewan, is he's very loquacious. He, he uses a lot of big words. And Greg is, just like the rest of us, just trying to keep up. Yeah, and it was when he asked his grandfather for the advice or the backing to get a lawyer initially when his grandfather agreed to it it wasn't really explained what his motivations were and it was kind of like you know we're meant to believe that this guy has kind of a progressive and enlightened view of the world and is a, could be a genuinely decent person and that's why he's not part of the roy empire but then you get the smash mm-hmm. cut of no he's basically going to do through the legal system what Khan thinks he's doing in the political system which is basically doing like freeform jazz with like word salad and you kind of saw this bringing that guy in there and i don't even know what deep cut of rage against the machine 
uh, they got their legal strategy from about subverting the dominant paradigm or something, but it was quite a bit to bite off. And I think that we all are to understand that, look, Greg is the fall guy and he's the punchline of the jokes so often. And he's not equipped to be in the fast and furious business world. Well, he's certainly not able to keep up in complicated legal proceedings uh, essentially, you know, he's going to lose all agency. And he thought that like the one person that he could trust and was hoping to God could help him out likely just presented him with the largest headache of them all. Yeah. And even, even Greg's grandfather's, uh, reason for being in the city was, uh, like estate planning, f- figuring out his, uh, where all his money's gonna go so when he invited him to that lawyer it just seemed like he was inviting greg in to like sign away all the money that he had already basically told greg he was gonna lose if he went to work at waystar um and also another part of the greg thing is uh tom who has this kind of like big brother little brother thing going on with him he really likes him but he also uh he kind of wants to kill him just to fix his own standing you know and because you know he obviously he's tied to him he's tied to greg for many reasons but they're also they're just a great duo and uh yeah that's that's another another aspect of the uh team greg thing yeah i was i was noticing tonight that nicholas braun Greg has the ability to be funny, even when he's doing something that's not funny. And that's really rarefied air. I was kind of making the list. It's like Will Ferrell. And then also kind of like that cadre of SNL guys like Will Forte and Jason Sudeikis, where it's like, they just act normal. Anything they do, you kind of laugh at it, even when it's not a punchline, because just their mere presence and demeanor has been funny enough for so long that you just come to accept that. Yeah, and, and what timing for that coming off his appearance on Saturday Night Live last night where he got to be on what, What's Up With That, which is just one of, one of the greatest sketches and him just showing up in the Lindsey Buckingham spot was, it was a nice little surprise. And again, he was just, he just funny by not doing much. Number five is Jerry, who last week looked like she could be a real contender to get the number one spot from Logan in this episode, maybe, or in a few episodes down the line, and maybe she still could, but a rough one for her. I think to sum it up when Logan lands back in America and they're on the tarmac and he's doing all the apparent stuff, blue buyer without so much as a hello, a handshake left out to dry minutes later, he's scheming in the limo that she's basically going to be, She's essentially going to be a figurehead serving as armor for Shiv, who is going to run the company in, you know, made up freelance ways in this new role of president, will set, will, which will essentially just be doing Logan's bidding. A rough one for her. I, she's has so many fires to put out from so many different angles. It's kind of like when you saw her in that office bouncing off what was going on with Kendall what was going on with Logan. It was kind of like, well, she can't hack it. She can't compete in this world. Like she, yeah, she's in that office, but the soul of that company is going to be with the elder or the younger Roy. Like there's no Jerry like 
farming out a community that's going to all have her back. Like we think Roman will, but she just does not have the power or the political capital. And every single day she's and every single day she's in that position is going to be another headache until it ends poorly for her. I can't see any other way out of it. Yeah. Um, like we discussed last week, she's, she's there for a reason. She's gone this far for a reason. So I'm sure she is prepared for the eventuality of Logan uh, getting rid of her somehow. Um, but yeah, she doesn't look as she obviously doesn't have his actual confidence the way that, uh, you know, he kind of, well, I mean, he didn't even really go, go that far and he, he just gave her the good spot. He gave her the top spot last week and Jerry's still in a good spot. She's still in charge. Um, she's been there. She's there for a reason. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's not supposed to, she's not part of the family. That's the main thing. So she's got to fend for herself and she's going to do the best job she can while playing her own game of chess and trying to figure out how her golden parachute lands probably. Last week we saw her pulling away from Roman and the relationship there. We saw her also kind of do that at the beginning. I thought I mentioned at the, earlier in the show about the apprenticeship thing. There certainly wasn't this grand master plan where they were like king and queen of the empire in her mind. But at the end, when she realized that she needed Roman again, she was playing affectionate again. And you can kind of see her like she is willing to do what needs to be done. She is not acting in good faith all the time either. Uh, she understands she kind of has control over Roman right now. So that's going to set up a fascinating uh, nesting doll situation of Logan operating through Shiv, but also maybe uh, Jerry operating through Roman. And it's just, you know, it's hilarity will ensue. Drama will ensue. It'll, it'll get confusing it'll get sticky, but I think you're going to be seeing like one of the, one of the buzzwords of last season was proxy war. I think the seeds have been set for about 14 different proxy wars at this point of the season. Yeah. I, I think she'll be okay. Um, she's, she's, a she's going to be a small head. Um, I'm sure the deck will be shuffled a million times before the end of the season when someone actually does fall. So who knows, maybe she'll fall all the way down and then be back in charge by then. Number four on our list is Kendall. And I'll tell you, the guy is a dynamo. It's unbelievable. He is the most fascinating character to be on the screen at any time. Half the time he talks, it sounds like absolute gibberish. And the other half, I kind of like vibe with it and it reverberates. And I'm kind of like, is this guy a genius? It's almost like, if Kanye West was running a company, you kind of vibe with it and you believe what he's saying. Do you buy his particular brand of philosophy and confidence or does it fall flat with you? Uh, I think Kendall made a pretty good pitch. I think that uh, Shiv and uh, Roman were very close and I it's what they want to do, I think. Uh, it's probably even what they know is right. 
as far as if the Roy family can do anything right. But it's just that uh, fear of their father that is just never going to go away. And until he is literally dead, they will always be under his thumb. So Kendall did what he did. He, or he did what he could and made a great pitch. And he even, he even sounded like he had a little plan there. But there's only so much he can do. I agree. I think it's the best thing for all parties would have been to go with Kendall. Um, it only works if they all do it. And I, I, you really, you lay out the scenario where it's like, okay, so they all go public against the father. They all like basically eat the trash and say, look, we have been a part of this kind of like evil corporation or whatever, take responsibility about whatever they want to do, but then say they want to like spin it forward. I could really see where there's a viable business opportunity going forward, especially if they diversify and they try to go global, they get, they get rid of all that stink. The thing is when he's pitching it, I'm like, you know what? I really agree with this guy. Um, not so much the moral imperatives because I don't think that he is ever going to do what's morally correct. I think that you could spin that though in the business side, but you can really see where, he has his stuff together and it's just like in the first episode where he could pull this coup. He could be the person that's in power and he could have everybody work for him and actually go into a brighter future. But the moment he encounters some resistance, he lashes out, he gets intensely personal. I mean, he couldn't have expected that everybody was going to come over and he was so vindictive and small and mean. And you really forget the limitations of Kendall because he has such big aspiration. Yeah, it's it's something all three mainly and all four, Connor, if you want to even talk about them. It's a problem that they all have that no matter how good their point is, each one of them is going to think that they're really the best for the job. So I, I, I don't I don't see how they can work it out, how they'll ever work it out. Someone is just going to have to, you know, the rest of the family is going to have to be kicked out for one person to because there, there's never going to be a consensus except for uh, we're scared of dad so at number three we have a new player coming from unranked all the way up to number three and that's Marsha, who made her triumphant return tonight coming back logan said it's not a good time to be a strange which it's never a great time to be a strange person <laughs> especially right now she's coming back for appearances it was a great cliffhanger when she said, I would like to speak to someone about something. And then we got the payoff of basically her financial compensation coming to terms. She made a really big power play there in the moment. And it, you could see that the Waystar people were kind of on the defensive, but also realizing that they had nothing to do but to give into her demands. It's fun to finally see that she sees this as a business transaction you could watch the series and think that she is a sap or gullible or whatever, but every now and again, she rises up to show that she has a plan as well. Uh, and she's getting exactly what she wants out of this relationship. And I think the most important thing when it comes to Marsha is she floated the idea of using Kendall's vehicular homicide against him to Logan. And Logan said, well, when you start dropping bombs, you can get burned and injured too. So I'd keep an eye on that. She might not be afraid to use that against Logan in the long term. And she is in a very advantageous position going forward. 
Yeah, Marsha, I even when at the beginning of the series, uh, she seemed like she had a lot of power in the uh, in the business portion of this thing, which, you know, seemed kind of surprising. But now that she is gone and back again, she's definitely all in on that part. And she knows how much power she has and is using it to get exactly what she wants. And it's something that she already kind of was doing, but it was she was just kind of a little more on the outside. But she's definitely a player. I, I mean, it would be really weird if she ended up like being the CEO or something. But uh, who knows the way that these people are all cutthroat. Every, every single person seems capable of murdering every other person business-wise. And, you know, once Logan's gone, if he ever dies, then who knows what what their uh, what her prenup looks like. Maybe she just inherits the company. And it would be really interesting to see if she advances to that place of increased power in the family, the dynamic relationship she has with each of the children. Because just thinking off the top of my head, I'm not – I can't really – recall exactly what the relationship is with Kendall, with Shiv, with Roman. There hasn't been that much development done on that aspect, but that could prove to be a very important thing where they're not, where it's like, where they're trying to like, yes, we're trying to knife dad in the back, but we also want to like rekindle this relationship with someone who largely, I think what the series wants us to believe that they have just ignored uh, because they don't see her as important. They've never really accepted her as an important figure in their life and certainly not in the business sense. So it'd be really interesting to see them trying to like almost pathetically come crawling back and being like, hey, like I, hey, look, I've always cared about you. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see exactly where she goes from here, but she's, she's definitely someone to be feared. So number two, we have Shiv. We saw at the very end, she is going to be installed as president, which is a nebulous term. Essentially, she will be doing Logan's bidding. Logan's still going to be running the company through Shiv. Shiv gets the title and it's what she always wanted. Now, this was a great Shiv episode because if there's one thing that drives her, it's the quest for power. For a large portion of this episode, it looked like she would be going in with Kendall. And both Kendall and Logan understand that she's the linchpin. She's the key. She's the one that they need. Now, Kendall said a lot of retrograde stuff about women in business, which was revealing about his own character, but also like also a bit of a salient point about optics going forward. She was very into it. The, the relationship, I guess I want to, she seemed very interested. She ultimately decided it seemed like after Roman and Khan decided they were out, that's when she made her decision. The camera cut to her where it was kind of like, she was surprised. The relationship with Tom, Tom, not really totally on board, exerting some power. I see some muddy and fractured waters for those two going forward. Uh, in, in terms of loyalty, the animosity and the resentment Tom is going to have for Shiv now that she's in this new position is going to be off the charts. I think it's a momentary win for her long-term, 
probably not the best thing. She's going to get caught up. It seems like her relationship is going to be permanently done with Kendall. If Kendall does emerge as the victor in this, I don't think she's going to be able to come crawling back. What were your thoughts about Shiv this episode? Well, Shiv has always been like this, I don't know, unicorn. She's like, everybody wants her. She's probably the smartest, you know, she's the, maybe the best business person. And she just, but she's outside the family business, really. So she, so she needs this presidential uh, title just to, you know, actually get in the race, get in the game. He, Logan probably said that at some point in the last three years. But yeah, she, she always has the most suitors. And then there was a time where she's already shot herself in the foot a couple of times. So she has the same problems that the other kids have, but you know, she, this was, this was good for her, I think. And also she, she kind of talked to Tom about it, which, which was actually, you know, kind of a nice thing, you know, it seemed, seemed like, so she's on every team basically and everybody wants her on her team. Yeah. I think that she has been working harder on the relationship than Tom in recent episodes, which is a change from the first two seasons. And then also she has kind of existed as someone who could be kept. She has benefited because she's been at arm's length and she's been part of plans. But now that she actually is going to have a position, actually have a title, she's going to have to actually do stuff. And I wonder if her effectiveness is better on paper than it is in the real world. At number one, no surprise for the second straight week, Logan Roy. The man has alligator blood. You cannot kill him. He's going to be running this company until he's 90, it seems. Although, midway through, it looked like his perch was a bit precarious. But ultimately, the savvy move of sending donuts, <laughs> the confection in the room really got to people. It was a brilliant mind game. It was a brilliant strategy. He emerges. He gets... The appearance of Marsha coming back, he's strengthened there. He has a plan going forward with Shiv running the company. He seems to have rectified that relationship with Roman. You saw him make a call to Khan where he was calling him his number one. Khan certainly did not believe him, but ultimately that's where Khan is always going to go with. He's not going to go against his father ever. You can make the argument that he took a very big hit at the end of season two that he was wounded and struggling to find his bearings in the premiere. But at the end of episode two, he was largely back to a position of power. And I really don't understand where Kendall is going to be able to pick his battle. At the end of the episode, we saw Kendall going in and preparing for what could be a very important deposition, potential jail term. You have him flying back to the States, making a grand statement. It seems like he's kind of like going to be climbing back up into that position he was at the end of season two. I guess my question for you would be, do you think this was a momentary blip for Logan and it's going to be smoothish sailing for the rest of the season? Or if this is going to be just the beginning and the threads are beginning to become unraveled and his empire is going to be slipping away by the end of the season. Uh, I, I think that Logan has pulled himself together. Uh, he's 
probably not been through this exact situation before, but he's he's seen some stuff. Um, so he needed just a couple days to kind of collect himself, and then it's like, oh well, we're going full beast, as it were, and he's just gonna he's he got Marsha back, you know, he's doing all his going back to the city show show strength uh sending cupcakes that may or may not be poisoned but probably aren't but his kids still i mean that's just the most insane thing they're like they think it, he might have they're they're not 100 percent ready to write that off and also this is a great episode for gifts because the trojan horse was just very funny um but yeah, I, Logan is, you know, he's, he's in the Tom Brady seat. He's, he's there until he's not there. And right now he's there. So everybody has to watch out. I think there's very few things on television that are as pleasurable as just watching him bark out orders and come up with a game plan. Like it's, those are the best moments of the show where Logan is giving marching orders to everybody. Cause he's so assertive and he's a detestable human being and you don't like him, but you do have some admiration for how cocksure he is, for how self-determined he is and, and how he has a plan for things. And I think it's just so awesome to be able to watch him manage, even if you want the managerial decisions to fail. It's just pure. It's pure. And Brian Cox is obviously so good and so powerful and so authoritative and it's so interesting. I think we're probably going to go back to this again and again, and maybe we mentioned it in the first one, but it, for an actor of that age to command the screen and to be the most physical and impressive person is really a sight to behold. Yeah, he's great. Um, and it was, an, it was another one of those things where it flipped on its head by the end of the episode at the beginning, he was uh, really scrambling uh, he looked weak. He was angry. I mean, in a in a way that he's not usually angry. Like he had a, he had a reason to be angry, not just annoyed. Um, and he and then he was begging to get his wife back, basically, and you know, giving giving up whatever he had to. And then by the end of the episode, you know, he had his wife back. He was back in New York, and he's just ready to go. So I mean, it, it will ultimately kill him, probably but we'll see. And that's the way he would want to go out. Those are our succession power rankings for episode two here on the best of seven. That was Steven Douglas. I'm Kyle Coster. Just to give you a peek behind the curtain, this is the Jordan flu game times two in terms of child and real life interruptions for this podcast operating on a high wire. If it sounds a little sporadic, if it sounds a little scratchy, if you hear some random noises, you're not crazy. (laughs) But you know what? We powered through. And I'll tell you what, Succession is a show about family and family is not always easy. And I think that we reflected that in this podcast. I'm damn proud of you for getting through this. I'm in in absolute awe of any listener who got through it. All right. We'll try to get through it next week, Sunday. It's going to be a great episode. Put the kids to bed. Hope they stay in bed. But you know what? The best laid plans never work out. In the words of Cousin Greg, yes, sir, read.